0: Pastor Randy and Pastor Nicole here. And listen, we are in February, the month of love, right, baby? That's
1: right. Oftentimes in the month of love, we love everything else. We love our children. We love our jobs. We love what we do. We love our sports or our hobbies. We're asking you this month to love your marriage. It's important that we prioritize the things that are important in life and hold us together. Yes,
2: amen.
0: And to help us do that, on February the 24th, it's a Friday night. From 6 p.m. to
1: 9 p.m., we have a special Love Your Marriage event that's happening, right? That's right. There's going to be finger foods. There's going to be giveaways. And
0: child care, so there's no excuse
1: not to show up. No, free child care. You don't that's have right. to pay for it.
0: Yes, so listen, there's going to be a QR code right there on your screen. Yeah. If you want to, like, hit that QR code, you'll know all the information, again, the time and the date. We want to see you there to just help build your marriages and make them
1: stronger. Be sure and invite friends. They don't even have to attend our church. That's right. But just come out to improve their marriage. Love your
2: marriage. Amen. We want to see you there, everybody. God bless you. We love you. Bye. You know, it's so good, guys, to be in the Lord's house today, isn't it? So good. Listen, when we come to the Lord's house, and all of you know this, we feed our spiritual man. Just like we eat three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Sometimes I eat at two or three o'clock in the morning. Just saying. But, anyway, so we feed our physical man all the time, but we need to feed our spiritual man and I know that we do we read our Bible during the week or we should we read our Bible but also we need to come to church on Wednesday night and we need to come to church on Sunday morning God said in his word and you all know this scripture let us not forget to assemble ourselves in the house of the Lord so he's happy that you're all here today (laughs) because you haven't forgot him, and you're feeding your spiritual man, all right? Okay, Uh, we want to welcome all the live streamers out there. We know that some of you are on vacation, and we're glad that you could go on vacation. We were on vacation a couple weeks ago, and we enjoyed every minute of it, but you know what? We miss you, so soon as you get back, we want to see your little faces, all right? But we're glad that you're watching. And then, if you're here for the very first time, and you are a new guest, then listen, there is a connect card in the pew in front of you, in the back of that pew in front of you, a connect card, and if you will just fill that out, take it out to the Welcome Center when you leave today, we would really appreciate that because we just get to connect with you. We're not going to send you anything asking you for money and all this stuff. We just want to connect with you and know that you were here also we pray for you but there's also if you would like to scan there is a q qr code in the back of the pew as well and you can scan that with your phone and do it electronically it's whatever way you would like to do it okay so we're just glad that you joined us today now um, we have this free event which Nikki and Randy was just talking about it It's uh, Love Your Marriage. Listen, it's on February the 24th, and you guys are going to enjoy it so much because it's always fun. Because I can look at, like, Jim Scott's face, you know, if he's here. Oh, yeah, And, and he's looking at Peggy when they say something. And Peggy's, like, ignoring him like she normally has to do. You know, no, we love these guys. Jim and, and Peggy, we love these guys. But you could just look at your brother and sister and you can just read on their face what they're thinking. Oh yeah, that happened to me. Oh yeah, she's she's the one. No, he's the one. You know, so we're always blaming the other one. But and you've heard me say this before. But here's the way you judge your marriage. Would you want to be married to you? Jim? <laughs> Would you want to be married to you? Because if you wouldn't, you know what you got to change, right? See, that's the way you judge your marriage. All right, that's one of the little tidbits. But I'm not teaching the marriage seminar. Somebody else is, and it's going to be a good one. So please go out and sign up at the Welcome Center if you want to come to this marriage seminar on the 24th. All right? Now, um, we are collecting coats for Mercy Mission in Sydney and listen guys all sizes are needed all sizes but here's the little catch you can't bring them from your house they got to be brand new they got to have the tags on them okay but this is a good thing during this time they're getting rid of their old winter coats it's coming spring and they're getting rid of all their winter coats And so you can get a big discount if you go out and you buy some coats. And bring them April the 2nd and just put them, I think we put them in a, well, it just just says you can drop them off in the lobby. So I'm sure they're going to have a bin out there for those coats. Okay. I remember my husband saying, because they had 14 kids in the family. And I said, honey, how in the world did your mom afford to buy all those coats for those kids? He said, she didn't. He said, we wore shirt on top of shirt, on top of shirt, on top of shirt. He said, we didn't have coats. And that just, oh my goodness, that tore my heart out. I don't want to see any kid or any adult or anybody without something to keep them warm. Right? Okay. Now, uh, so please do that. April 2nd, drop them off in the lobby out there. Now, I want to read this to you. Psalms 18, 2 and 3. It said, now it says the Lord is my rock, but I changed it to our rock right now. The Lord is our rock. The Lord is our fortress. See, he's our security. Our security. And our deliverer. Our God. Our strength in whom will we trust. And then it says our buckler. And I thought, what in the world is a buckler? It's a shield. A shield. To keep you from fiery darts of the devil hitting you he's our buckler and it says uh, and the horn of our salvation and our high power I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised listen we're going to go into worship here in just a second and we just need to praise the Lord for whatever he has done for us whatever he's done for our family our kids Listen, we just need to praise Him, thank Him, because without God, none of this would happen. All right? So let's just worship the Lord. How about it? Well, if you'd stand to your feet
3: this morning, Father, we've come to you this morning and we take limits off, we take the box away. We pray right now, Lord. You come and do what you want to do in this service. You come and do what you want to do in this house. We're open. We're open. We're here to worship you. Lord, let our eyes be fixated on you. In Jesus' mighty name.
0: In Jesus' mighty name. I was buried shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing but not
4: real difficult. and Sometimes you don't feel adequate, you know. Uh, Sometimes the world and things that happen, they'll try to make you feel like a failure. They'll try to make you feel like, you know what, you're just not good enough. You know what, things are just not going to get better for you. Now, it might work for somebody else, but with what you've done and your past and the mistakes you've made, you can't expect anything better. And so therefore, we feel unworthy of God's blessings. We just feel like we don't measure up. But I got to read in the Bible one day. And Luke twenty-two, nineteen 19 said, And he took bread and gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. And I just stopped right there. And I said, so wait a minute. You sacrificed your body for me? You went through, you know, listen, there's some situations in life that if I knew what all it would take or what all it would entail, I wouldn't have done it. I'd say, you know what? That's not worth it. That situation's not worth it. That person's not worth it. But Jesus knew what he was getting into. Can we say amen to that? He understood. And he says, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. He says, likewise, also the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my body, which is shed for you. So I got to thinking about that. My God said, whatever I need to go through to bless you, whatever I need to absorb so you can have eternal life, you're worth it. I want you to understand something today as we take communion, You need to know that you're worth it. Can we say amen to that? I get it. We've all been through things. We've made mistakes and we had situations that we wish we could take back. But even with that, Jesus said, You're worth it. There's even a scripture in here where he says, You know what? I won't do this again until God's kingdoms come. So he commemorates the moment. He says, You are so worth it that I'm going to go through whatever it takes, and I won't partake of this wine again until God's kingdom comes. So today, the Lord wants you to know you're worth it. Come on, somebody just say, I'm worth it. Yeah, and you're worth it because Jesus says you're worth it. So no matter what you think or how you feel or what the world says or what the standards are, it doesn't matter because Jesus has already spoken. Can we say amen to that? So we're going to continue on with service, and as we do, you come up, you get this communion, but today you know I'm worth it. I'm special. I just, you know, I just feel led to pray. Father, I just thank you right now that we are a church that understands that we are worth something because we're made in your image, God. God, I thank you that our past no longer lords over us. We truly are new creatures, and we are blessed because of you. And, God, we just give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue on with worship.
0: turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands. Give us pure
3: says that those who will see God will be those that are pure in heart. And I want to tell you this morning that if there's something between you and the Father, now's the moment to clean it up. Now's the moment to get right. Don't wait. Don't let this moment pass you by. The Bible says we don't know the day nor the hour that Jesus returned. It could be today. It could be this next moment. And I don't know about you, but I don't want there to be anything in me that holds me back from seeing Jesus. I wanna see God. I wanna see Him. I wanna see Him today, right here in this service. I wanna see His face. I don't wanna just keep talking about Him, but I wanna look straight at Him. I wanna see Him. I wanna commune with Him. I wanna be in relationship with Him. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. So I encourage you, if that's you, right now, get right with him. These altars are open. I know the communion's still up here, but those altars are open. If you need prayer, someone will pray with you. If you need prayer, come on right down here. This is a prayer team. They are filled up and fired up and ready to pray over you. These are the elders of the church that are ready Pastor Tim's down here. We're ready to pray. Pastor Phyllis. But I want to see God. Do you want to see God today? Do you want to see him? I want my heart to be pure before him. So let's sing this again. Give us clean hands. Give us pure
0: hearts. Let us not lift our souls to clean hands give us pure hearts let us not
3: sing this
5: And we need you. So take that hand and let loose your faith. I stir up the gift of faith that is in you. And right now, in the name of Jesus, start praying. Father, I thank you for the people to the right of me. That those people are filled with faith. That the gifts of the Spirit, they are starting to be released, to be worked, and to understood in their lives. That the fruits of the Spirit are manifested from the time they spend in your presence. Father God, I thank you for the people behind me on the stage that are standing beside each other. That they... They usher in the presence of the Lord together. They are in unity together. God, that the body of believers on the left side of me that their prayers are answered, that their dreams that have gone to the ground, that you're reviving them. God, that the desire to read the word of God, it starts to overtake the hunger and thirst for a holy revival. We want a holy revival in our body of believers right here in Bakken, Ohio. I thank you for stirring that up, the desire to be in your presence, the desire to be in prayer. The desire to be in prayer, that prayer matters, that meeting with another person, with a body of believers, it matters to pray. I thank you that provision goes forth for the people on the right of me and the people on the left of me, that the provision that they have sown seeds, that they have tithed in faith and believe, they have been generous with their their giving, their time, their influence. I thank you that they start to reap that in these next couple months, that they start to reap what they thought was lost. I rebuke you, devil, and I tell you to get off. You get off of what is theirs. You get off of what is theirs because of the kingdom of God that they are in. Father God, we want holiness. We want holy fire. Holy fire. My children just ask me, what does fire feel like from the Lord? I ask that you would release everything that binds that precludes us from knowing the holy fire of the lord god almighty father that that would start to be manifested in our lives because of our interaction with you that the presence of the lord burns out that which is not holy god revive broken bones revive dead bones for those people who need healed on the left and on the right of you right now, I thank you, Jesus, for the gift of healing. Because we know the blood of Jesus, it is released through our prayers, through our faith, for the people on the right and on the left of us. For the working of miracles, the working of miracles is released. And over the next few days, they start to see the change in that condition. And it's permanently eradicated. Father God, let us hear your cry in the middle of the night. Let us hear your soft drawing to pray. Let us hear your cry for our neighbor, for our lost loved one, for our parents, for our spouses, for our brothers and sisters. God, let us hear and let us actually care. Because like Ashley said, if we go to heaven in the next hour. How many people did I not care about? So right now, Father God, I thank you for releasing this new compassion inside of the people on the right and on the left of me. Compassion for souls that we actually have our eyes opened in the spirit and we see that their soul is going to hell. God, we want them to be revived and to encounter the love of Jesus Christ. And how do they do that? They do that through my... Actions. So God, let our actions start to show what we believe is true. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.
6: Hallelujah, Jesus.
5: We take one more moment and I want you to thank the Lord for the person on the right and on the left of you. And if you don't care for them right in this moment, I want you to thank the Lord that you have given them life. God, I thank you that you have given them life. Thank you that you have given the worship team life, that you have given them new ideas, new dreams. God, I thank you that the people around me, they are filled up with the Holy Spirit, that you have given them new life, the life I want, God, I want you to give to them, the life that I desire when I read the scripture, give it to them. I thank you the mind of Christ is opened up into people's eyes. Father God, that you are Lord of our bodies, souls, and minds, and the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ overtakes us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. Thank you for being generous, (laughs) generous with your faith. So as we move into the giving offering time today, I want to ask you a question. I've been asking myself, do you have a generous eye? And you know, in the book of Proverbs, in the Old Testament, it talks that the man or woman with a generous eye is blessed because they feed the poor. Feeding the poor is a very tangible thing. If I see that somebody doesn't have food and I give them food, I I see the reality of that right away. But when I look in the New Testament in Philemon 1.6, it says, Paul says, now I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. And now I see that my generosity is linked with my faith. Sometimes that's not very tangible, my faith. It's something I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing the goodness of Christ's love. And I show that. I, I know my trust. It shows how much I trust Christ by how generous I am. It shows my experience of God's goodness. My, re- my generosity is reflected in that. I want you to imagine you're a parent. And for some of you, it may not be a far stretch as I see Danae here with her little girl. And imagine that you want your child to give their toy away or share it. And you know, my child is going to have an almost impossible time imagining giving their toy to that other little friend that they may not even like. And I say, no, I want you to give that to little Joe. And it's impossible. But as the parent, I see their future growth. I see their future potential in the bigger picture. And I also see what little Joe needs and how that toy is gonna impact his life. I expect my kid to trust me and to obey. I expect them to give the toy away. I expect them to have faith in my command. What if this is how God views our giving? That really hit me. I'm going to be honest. That, that really has hit me this week. You know, seated beside you is somebody who may have a real need and has a, someone else who has a generous eye. Or Pastor Phyllis may need the toy, and I have the toy to give. And we sit in this quandary, wherever you're seated, of do I give, do I not? You might say, I don't have any extra dollars in my wallet, Hannah. But generosity is not limited to your dollars. It's limited to your selfishness. (laughs) So your generosity can be defined by how unselfish are you. So you could go sit with somebody who's sitting in the shadow of the valley of death. You can mow their lawn. You can shovel a driveway. And you're showing your generosity. In a child's life, there's specific growth phases. And as a parent, during those times, you ask them to be and do what they think is impossible why do you do that as a parent? Because I know that it affects their entire life's capacity. I know that it affects their entire future, what happens in those growth points. God is the first father of all time. So guess what? That's what he does to us because as a parent, I just replicate what God the Father does for me to my children. So I want to ask you today, what does your generous eye look like today, next week? next month because it it doesn't just come on when you're at church it's all day long with everybody you're with what do you want to be for the kingdom of god today please bow your heads father i thank you i thank you for ushering in a new level of understanding through the holy spirit of what generosity means from the old testament to the new testament until jesus comes back That you would open our eyes and ears and that what is given today and every day, Father God, by the body of believers, that you will compound, overflow, and it will flow out to make such a difference in the kingdom of God. And that you promise to take care of the seed of the giver. And I thank you that you take care of that for us today so we commit this into your hands.
2: You don't want me to check to make sure you're on, baby? Oh, I'm on. You're supposed to touch
1: people in prayer appropriately. Honey, it says on. I can read. I went to first grade. O-N. It's on. On. Oh, my Lord. Didn't you? Oh, hallelujah. Now you can sit down. It's all right. I don't care how we delivered, as long as we get it delivered. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, we're a uh, love the prayer that we have today. I see, look around, there's people bowling, people crying. It's beautiful. God's doing a work amongst his people. Amen. Amen. Well, I just, today's message, we're going to continue in our series called Prayer, Fasting, and the Word. But before we do, I think we should pray first. (laughs) Father, we just come before you, God, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear. Father, that we would be a people after your own heart. God, that we would be a people with pure hearts, holy, found right, Father, for when you come back for your glorious church. Father, that anyone under the sound of my voice today, anyone, God, that does not know you, Father, would be given the opportunity, Father, to know and to confess and to believe in you. But Father, before they die, Father, for you've you've given this opportunity today for their life. You've positioned this day in time that they would have the choice today to choose whom they would serve. Father, I ask that you bring your conviction. Father, you love your mercy and your grace to every person in these seats today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, well, it's not enough that you and I as people, church members, listen to what people think about a certain subject. Sometimes we can do a whole lot of reading from different authors, different books, and they're all good, but there's only one author, only one book that should be leading us. And so as pastors, in the last days, we need to be sure that we're not just talking about what God wants us to do, but we're showing you in the Scripture what we're to do and how to follow His ways. We as men and women don't follow men and women's ideas, but we follow Jesus's ways. We hear the word, we see the word, and we do the word. That's who we are as people. Amen. We don't just come and fill up these seats on Sunday, hear the word and then leave and do nothing with it. That's not the people of God that we are. So, because we're speaking on prayer and fasting, I feel that There may be some of us here that are today that are visitors or maybe this is your first week in the fasting part of this series because maybe you weren't able to be here. So I feel that we should kind of reestablish what fasting is so that we don't leave anyone behind. Fasting is simple. It's a spiritual discipline that the Holy Spirit uses to transform our lives as believers. It's a spiritual discipline. And this discipline is meant to reduce or limit food from yourself for a specific time or purpose. Now, I'm going to express this today only because I'm telling you this is my opinion, and I'm telling you you have to work out your own opinion in your own life on what you're going to do. Some people don't believe that fasting social media is a fast. Because social media, nor a phone, nor a digital device was listed in the Bible. They're very literal thinkers. I'm not, I'm not accursing that. I believe in literal thinkers. Sometimes I want, if you steal something, I want your hand cut off. I'm going to be honest with you, hand for hand, you take it, eye for an eye. (laughs) But there's sometimes that that's not always the case. And the culture of what was in the Bible is not, I feel, the culture of today, or all of you and I would be in robes and sandals. And we're not. I'm in Doc Martens. That's not a sandal in Jesus' day. There was no yellow stitching on a leather boot. So for me, I feel that food can be taken literally and figuratively. I believe that it is seen as something that I depend on. Something that brings substance to my life and quite frankly makes me happy. Just let's just be real. It's an essential to living. If your phone becomes so essential that you get angry when you leave it at home, you get angry that people don't answer you in 3.2 seconds after you text, you got a problem. And you need to fast your phone because it's become an idol in your life. Now this is my own salvation and this is how I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. So for me, anything that sets itself equal to the position of food in my life and how much I like it and I need it three times a day or I'm miserable, then I put that on the fasting list and I say that you can fast it. If my opinion becomes too important that I have to interrupt you to tell you what I think instead of what you think. Guess what needs to be fasted? My opinion in my mouth, put it in line because what, maybe they don't even wanna hear what you have to say. Sometimes we offer up opinions when they're not asked. Just be quiet. Life would be a little bit easier. So for me, I've worked it out, it's intake. So if there's something that I need, To replace my time with so that I'm spending more time with God or I'm saying stayed on him. I'm going to do that. And I'm just telling you, consider the cost before you fast. Because fasting is not for the faint of heart. Amen. All right. Fasting is one of the ways that we humble ourselves before God. In the Old Testament, they used to rub ashes all over their head and wear sackcloth so that it was a representation that they were fasting. Some people did it so they could be seen. They weren't fasting from the right position in their heart. They were fasting so that others would know they were being disciplined in the faith. They were called the Pharisees, just in case you want to know. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end, it leads him to death. So humbling ourselves before God is better than us thinking we know what's right in every single situation. And then once we're in trouble we ask for God and say, oh, I'm sorry, I should have asked, right? Repentance is better than sacrifice. Fasting keeps our old man and his responses, his urges put off and keeps them back in their place. But fasting, it allows the new man and God's ways and God's urges to come into man's life and to start to supersede that with of course the work of the holy spirit nothing that you and i could do on our own fasting allows the holy spirit to come into your life hmm i like this one and show the believer the condition of one's heart sometimes that's a little painful because we think we know what we look like until the holy spirit takes that mirror like don's guitar today when he was playing it was reflecting. On Jane and Dave, I could see it and I'm like, what is happening? I don't want to blind them. And it's dawn. He's probably just gauging his, his uh, little mirror around everybody. That's a spirit. I'm just kidding. But that's what God does to us. He takes the Holy Spirit. He takes this little mirror and he just does this to your life. He's like, are you looking? Look, he gets your reflection and gets you to look in the mirror so you can truly see the condition of what you really look like. And some of us Think we've got perfect teeth and it's all looking so nice, and then we find a jagged tooth stick it here, this makeup slammed up on our face. And Jesus is like, This is what you really look like. And you're gonna have to deal with that. Thank God for the Holy Spirit through fasting. Amen. I wanna know what I look like to him, not to man, so that we can see our wrong not not so you can feel shame but so you can see you're wrong and correct it so you can repent so you can turn back to him right so that you can have a revival within your heart a reviving of what once was you were on point and now you've gotten off point but God wants to bring you back to where you were reestablish you put new life back inside of you so that we can walk his way Fasting is a tool specifically given to you and I to release God's supernatural power on your behalf. There are things in this life that if you tried on your own, you could not win. But because you serve a God that is bigger than any situation in any problem, his supernatural power is released when fasting is executed. Here's the deal though sometimes if you don't release and do the fasting release yourself surrender to the fast what you're asking to be broke it gonna be broke we know specifically in the Bible that it says these demonic powers only come out by prayer and fasting prayer and fasting so if you only do the prayer and you don't want to do the work of fasting come on Someone look at your neighbor and say, Pastor Nicole loves us. I do, but fasting is hard. Fasting is not enjoyable. I'm going to tell you it is one of my least favorite things to do. And that's going to tell you that one of the greatest things I love to do is make my flesh feel comfortable. I, I'm, there it is. There it is. I ratted myself out. I ratted myself out because I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like to be thinking about what I can't have. Why is that? I didn't even think about those stupid vegetables in the drawer until I said I'm fasting. I can't even think about a vegetable right now. Right now, all I'm thinking about is something that's very comforting and it's not a vegetable. Yet when I fast, I open the refrigerator and even the little carrot is calling out my name. Oh, just one of these, you'd feel great. Oh my goodness, it's a carrot. But it's amazing when you turn your mind to something, it changes, it just shifts. When you tell it no, it screams yes. So let's go to Matthew 6.16. This is where we're starting today. Because here's the deal. We don't want to do anything that we're not supposed to do. And if fasting isn't in here, I don't want to do it. So Matthew 6.16 says, when you fast... Do, when you fast, oof, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting. But only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what you've done in secret will reward you. Now, Don't get all crazy about that oil on your head thing. It was a culture thing. That's like you and I brushing our teeth and washing our face. They were very ashy then. It's very dry. It was very dusty. So they would oil themselves as to look clean. It was a moisturizer type thing. So don't think, oh, I got a poor oil. No, don't come in with big drips of oil down your head. That is not what we are after. But what I want to bring to attention is, is that it says when you fast. And we're going straight to the word because these are the red letters. That means no man said it. That meant Jesus, the man, the son of God said when you fast, not if, when. So the first thing is if we are not fasting as believers then we're not following all the commands and using all of the tools that God's given us. It's not meant to make you feel shame. It's meant to show you what can take place in your life if you'll institute it. So when we fast. Now, no one wants to follow a Jesus that doesn't do what he says. So let's go watch where Jesus demonstrated this. Let's go over to Luke, the fourth chapter. And there's going to be some scriptures today. There's nothing wrong with the word. Nothing wrong with the word. And if anyone's teaching you without the word, you should leave. All right, so 4 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry couple of things here that I want to say about Jesus. First of all, this was right after Jesus's baptism by John the Baptist, when the Holy Spirit ascended down on him like a dove. But the Spirit then drew Jesus away to be alone. He drew him there for a very specific plan and a very purpose for his life. We know that because we have scripture to read. But oftentimes the Holy Spirit is doing the same thing to you and I through a fast. It's not meant to make you uncomfortable, cause you pain, cause you aggravation. You know, when you want something, like on the third day, I'm like, get out of my way. Like, I could eat you if you're not quiet. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it starts to take over. You are hungered. This was 40 days. I'll be honest with you. I have never been on a 40-day full food fast. I have done up to a certain time of the day. It is challenging. It is very challenging. And I'm just going to tell you, don't do it unless you are supernaturally called to do it. Or you may induce with some failure and some shame and it cause more damage than good. Okay? Let God speak to you. Jesus led him there for a purpose and a plan. God leads you and I to a fast to fulfill a purpose and a plan of what he has for you and I's life. Now, it could be that you need to get rid of something in your life. God's plan and purpose is that until you get rid of that ugliness, until you deal with that rooted sin, he cannot take you to the next level of your life. There will come no promotion until that seed is dealt with. And that seed may only be able to be dealt with through fasting. Help us, Jesus. Remember, Nicole loves you. She's helping you today. She's helping you. So he was led there, he was hungry, then the devil came. Why did the devil come? Well, temptation, yeah, no, 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 bigger picture, bigger picture, scoot out of it, look at the big picture. The big picture is, is that Jesus was on point to do the plan and the purpose that Jesus had called him for. He was taking steps towards his destiny. The devil comes in to abort the plan to abort the destiny, to get him to be drawn away and come over to the devil's side. Because if I can get him to think that I can make him Lord, like like I'll give you authority, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do that for you, and Jesus is like, yeah, no. Because I'm fasting, my physical senses are real, real low right now. And my spiritual senses Please don't take this hypersensitive. Spidey senses are on point. Jesus is like, no, you're dope. I can understand where you're coming from and I'm not falling for this. Because my plan and purpose is so much greater than any pinnacle you could ever set on me and let me rule reign over the earth. And better than this rock that you want me to turn into bread. I'm not doing this. And he resisted the devil through temptation. You and I too can resist the devil's temptation because we fast, but we can also resist the devil's temptation to eat while we fast. So if you're fasting so that the temptations and the root of something evil in your life will be gone, trust me, you have the power to resist. But the only way Jesus did that was by using the word of God. What's the title? Prayer, fasting, and the word. The series that we're in, prayer, fasting, and the word. Because one without the other will do you no good. Praying and praying what you want instead of praying what the word says and what God wills won't get you nowhere. I could pray that my neighbor's shoes come on my feet. But if I don't know the coveting spirit, the covet, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. Or her shoes, then you're not gonna get those shoes. You can't pray not according to God's will and think that you're gonna get anything. You can't pray in a double minded way and get anything from the Lord. But if you don't read the scripture, you're never gonna know that you can't pray like that. You see what I'm saying? Pastor Ed and I, we have a joke. He prays for our president, but he prays the scripture way back from the Old Testament: "God kill him quickly." I said, "You're not allowed to pray that, Pastor Ed." (laughs) He said, "It's in the Bible. It's God's will." I said, "Stop it! It's hilarious, but it was—it's a a joke, people. It was really a joke." But anyways, the point is, is the enemy's coming when you fast. Be prepared. Be prepared that the enemy is coming when you fast because he's not holding back. Listen, if you have a purpose and every single one of you do, the devil's after you. The devil is after you. He doesn't come after anything that is not of value. Nothing. Have you ever had a thief come in your house? Oh yeah, I just came to see what your house looks like. (laughs) No, he came to take what you got. He come to get the valuables out of your house. So does the devil he comes to get what's valuable to God and if you're a kingdom shaker if your process and your plan is to help other people it's not just him he's affecting it's everyone else that you're not gonna affect if he gets a hold of you think of it if he could have aborted Jesus's plan no communion today no cross no you and I paying penance for our prayer you and I paying penance for our sin Still sacrificing goats out there in the parking lot, burning them up, trying to cover up our sin. Thank God for the Lamb of God. Prayer, fasting, and the Word. It's a 3 stranded cord in the believer's life. And this is the life that Jesus demonstrated to us. This wasn't the first time he's drawn out. He's drawn out to the wilderness multiple times to come away with the Lord. Come away, come out of what's happening in your life And sit with me. Let's talk. Let me tell you what I need you to do. Let me show you the plan of the enemy to buffet you. Let me show you. Sit and read my word. Learn of my ways. Remember, Jesus was lost at 12 years old. Lost. There was no CDC to call, no children's services to call, but Mary and Joseph, they got to come back two and a half days. Like, what are you doing, child? He's like, I'm learning of the Lord. I'm sitting in this synagogue reading the scrolls. My heart is happy. I'm full. I'm growing in the Lord at 12 years old. I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to be something hard for some of you to hear. It might be a little strong. Everybody look at your neighbor. Pastor Nicole loves us. Now, I'm serious. I do. But it's time that the church stops piddling around with this general disciplines of Christianity and that we, we stop hearing the word on Sundays and going to church to look the part just like the Pharisees. See, we all look good. Everybody thinks our lives are perfect. They're not. They're not perfect. But what you do when the non-perfect life shows up is everything. But if you're just playing this part right now, you're just doing it to make others happy? Save yourself the gas money at the price it is right now and just stay home. No, I'm serious. I'm not saying it because I'm, I'm being disrespectful, because I'm being hard. I'm saying it because I love you. The church has got to arrest her heart. It's time that we stop doing it like the Pharisees. We even have an example, and that we start doing the word. See, we have a 17-year-old. Okay, Quentin, they're not out here beautiful. We have a 17-year-old. But last year, we started him setting his alarm. Why, why do I got to set my alarm? Why? I don't want to set my alarm. You just come down and get me up when you get up, Mom. I said, no, because you're 17. It's time you start setting your own alarm. Like, I'm already guilty in the office. All the, Regina specifically, tell Regina Walker, our, our pastor wife from Kenton, Ohio, tells me you got to let your kids peel their own orange, Nick. They're 20 years old and you're still peeling their orange. For goodness sakes, let them peel it. So I'm like, well, you need to get yourself up. He's like, mom, I just want you to. No, why? Because you're 17. The problem is, is that we have 17 year olds in the church that still aren't reading, still aren't praying and still aren't fasting. I love you. I can't pray for you. I can't fast for you. I can't break the yoke for you. I can't make you do it. You got to grow up and put your alarm on. It's time that we stop dilly-dallying around with the things of God and start really getting sincere about what's happening. I don't know if anyone's awake in this world right now, but it's a little crazy. I think I got all the reason in the world to kind of shape things up, clean them up, get a little organized, get a little prepared, put a little oil in my lamp. Because the Lord is coming back, and I think it might be quicker than you and I think. We've gotten comfortable hearing when our grandparents and our great-grandparents said, Oh, the Lord's coming back. So I repented every single night just to make sure. But I'm not repenting anymore before night because I'm living a life that is holy before him every day. Why is it that we're still dealing? We're still dealing with sins that should have been shed years ago. Why do we keep falling back into the same temptation, the same attraction? Why is pornography still got a hold? Five years later, I'll tell you why. Fasting is your tool. Fasting breaks the yoke. Fasting makes a difference. It's time that we repent, become a sanctified people that God can pour through. That your purpose and your plan be executed and fulfilled. Not almost fulfilled. Not, well, if I could just get over this. And you're carrying it every day. You're worth it. You're worth it. Come out of that. Come out of that self. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. It said that the devil left Jesus. Because he used the tools. Because he had used the disciplines he had learned. He learned to use the word. And because of that, in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee with power. Power. You want to know why you don't have power? I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to myself. Sometimes I pray, it just changes. Changes just like that. Other times I change, you just look at me. You know what? I don't have all the answers, but what I know Jesus went to the desert, he fasted, he prayed, he resisted the devil, he gave up the word, he fought the devil with the word of God, the living word of God, not some fictitious made up words that he just pulled up out of his spirit, but he said no. This is what the word of the Lord says. It's not enough that you know what Pastor Dosick can regurgitate. It's not enough that you know what Pastor Nicole can tell you in the midst of the storm. It's enough that you know what the word of God, the true living word of God will say and come into your life and it can change your situation. is it you and I has got enough power in our pinky finger to do anything that God needs us to do. Nothing. For without him, we are nothing. Jesus had the spirit ascend upon him at baptism, but he had to take him to the wilderness so that he could come back with power. You and I can have the Holy Spirit, but can you resist the devil when he comes and have power when it comes to the devil mocking you? God's not the healer. God's not the healer because all he does is lie like a dog. Lie like a dog. Galatians says, who told you this? Who told you this lie? Who twisted the way you think? You've been listening to the wrong devil because your senses are in earthly senses and not your spider senses. God's given you spidey senses beyond reason. Beyond reason. And at Jesus' weakest point, when he was hungry, the devil came. Oh, what a loser. What a loser. He don't come when you're strong. He ain't coming on Sunday morning when I preach the word. He's coming on Monday after I've preached. It ain't nobody said it was good. There you go. I'm kidding. I don't need you to say it's good. Please, I'm serious. You'll just feed my pride. <laughs> now, let's go to another story. I got to move forward. Okay, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I'm doing this because I want to show you the Old Testament fasting and New Testament fasting. So many, so many new believers get caught up that if it's not in the Old Testament, it's not for today. I don't know where that happened at. It's not true. The Old Testament was not done away with because Jesus went to the cross. The Old Testament was fulfilled because he did. So we take the old and the new and they become our guide. See, we have a Holy Spirit now that leads and guides us. He checks us. That's why I know that when I fast my phone, it's a good thing. By the way, it's a bad thing when the only thing you want to fast is everything but food. I'm just going to let that out there because sometimes I feel like there's weeks that I'm like, oh yeah, God, I'm going to fast. I'm just going to give up social media. And really, he wants my donut and my salad for lunch and my dinner, right? He wants a little bit more, but I'm, I'm much easier to give this up sometimes than I am the other way. So, so just keep that in mind. You can't do it hundred percent. Second Chronicles 24. I know there's somebody was out there looking for a way out. I understand. Yep. 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 You think I'll just turn my TV off. Uh-huh. Yeah, my radio off on the way to work. Mm-hmm. Give up that coffee and them blueberries on your way. That's what he's after. First, First Chronicles twenty twenty four or or yet yeah, twenty two through four. Now I'm going to do some reading. If you want to listen, you can, but because of time, I cannot preface this entire story. And media, they're going to follow me as much as they can because I wrote down the verses for them. So it says, uh, 22, some men came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army was coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the sea. It is already in Haz- Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. We can see here that there was fear. There was intimidation. In fact, in one version, it says he was terrified of what was coming. Terrified. So put this into now terms. You and I have something in our life that is terrifying us or alarming our senses. Our earthly senses are alarmed. Maybe they're calling for, Jim, I'm looking at you. They're calling for 17 inches of rain in one day. And the day before, you just put your seed in the ground. He's a farmer. Jim's a farmer. He understands what I'm talking about. What's Jim thinking? immediately he becomes alarmed and terrified in the earthly sense, Dave, you know what I'm talking about, that everything he just planted is going to be washed away and pushed out and not be able to seed and bring forth a harvest. He could be alarmed. He could be terrified. 17 inches, are you crazy? That's not even possible. I'm just like, you know, maybe, well, the days of the rainbow, maybe. Okay, so keep going. We're going to go down to the 14th verse. It said, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Matina, a Levite, and a descendant of Aspah, and he stood in the assembly. Why all those names matter, I'm not really sure, but I'm sure they have significance. They're just not today. After they fasted, the spirit of the Lord came. After, not before, not during, after they fasted. Sometimes you wonder why God asked you to go on seven days. Sometimes you wonder why he asked you to do 21 days. This is why. There's a process that's happening. It's a humbling of who you are, a desensitizing of your earthly senses, removing fear, pushing it to the side so that he can have a clear way to talk to you. Then the Spirit of the Lord came and he says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by pass by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. O oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. He encouraged him. He gave him direction, right? When we fast and we put our earthly senses in check, God gives us direction, he encourages us. He spoke specifically to their situation. He didn't talk in a roundabout way. He named who they were, where they're coming from, and what's going to happen. That's God in your situation. Clarity can come. Verse 22 As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sur, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. He gave victory. After a fast, and they did what the Lord told them. Often after a fast, there comes an act of obedience that God asks you to do. Come on, don't miss it. Don't miss it. We think we want to get fasting. Now we got God where we want him to be. And he's like, yeah, I hear you. And then he asks you to do something. And you're like, "Hmm. I did the fast. (sighs) Yeah, so you could get word. So you could know what to do and act like Jesus in the obstacle and do what he says. And now he tells you, and you're "Hmm. I don't know if I want to do that. It's not what you're after. It's full submission. It's humility. Remember the ashes on the head. It was an act of humility to say, God, not my way, but your way. It's not comfortable, not when you fast, not after the fast, and he asks you to do something that you're uncomfortable with. But I promise you, if you do what he says, you get his reward. When the men of Judah came up, 24th verse, came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground, and no one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value more than they could take away. All you women out there, these were coach purses. These were Louis Vuitton backpacks. Like, look at this, girls. The guys, they like the equipment and the tools. I'm just saying. That's where it's at. See, Randy's down there. Saul's everything. The point is there was victory that was given. Complete victory. When you fast and do things the way God wants you to do, complete victory in your situation can be given. Now hear me out. Some aren't as easy as a three-day fast. Some aren't as easy as a seven-day. Some may take a couple. Because God's got to get you to a place that he can do what he needs to do. And sometimes we resist Sometimes we're only allowed to say yes to this much of what God has for us. See, Jesus fully surrendered his life. You and I are living a life of surrender. So oftentimes you and I, who don't spend as much time with Jesus, who don't pray as much because of life's cares and concerns, hear me out, I'm being real with you, And I'm not trying to shame you if you're not. I'm trying to show you the importance if you do. If you do. When you fully surrender to the plan of God, it goes faster. (laughs) Can I just say this? That a fast will speed up the time that it takes to get to that problem? Fasting sometimes takes years off of the Christian's process when you're doing something, if you'll truly surrender and fall in to the complete process of what God's doing in your life. But you gotta do it. You gotta do it. When we're terrified and afraid of circumstances. Remember how I told you it was like your spidey senses? Here's, here's, no, here's what I really do see though. If, how many of you have watched Sherlock Holmes? Okay, Sherlock Holmes had this this weird sense about him that in the midst of when challenge and trouble came up, he could see it before it happened. See, here's what happens in the supernatural. This is no joke. It's not spidey senses and it's not Sherlock Holmes. Every movie theater guy that ever wrote anything wrote it out of the Bible. I'm telling you, there was no supernatural until the Bible. Watch Superman as he's falling out of a plane with his arms opened as a cross. Save them all. Yeah, because his DNA of 12 nations was in the body of Superman. It's so the 12 nations of God. It's Jesus. He's the sacrifice for us all. I'm like, really, people? The Lion King. It's, it, there's nothing new. There's nothing new. They're all making it up. The gods, Hercules, all this, the God of the water. It's just the Holy Spirit, the wind. They made it all up based off the Bible. So my point is this. You really do have a supernatural sense about you. You really do. And when you fast, it's like slow motion starts to happen. And you can see the enemy approach. You know if he's going to take a left, a right. And before you know it, in real life, it's like. And the devil's under your foot. Because you fasted and you prayed and you understood how to execute the tool that God gave you. But, but, but here's what a lot of us look like. Didn't oh, know. And you give up. You give up before the fight because you, you didn't use the right tool. You didn't use the right tool. You could have seen what was coming. You could have been on the know of the enemy and how to execute this fight and what to do. Because, see, you really are in a fight. We're not in a fight like Jehoshaphat any longer. We don't fight flesh and blood. You and I don't have to go out there and fight for our food. We don't have to fight an our... Well, if you're going to Azteca today, you will have to fight an army to get in the door. But once you get in, you're pretty safe. The, the weight sometimes is excruciating. But I'm just saying, we don't fight like that. We don't fight flesh and blood anymore. But we fight in the spirit. And whether you like it or not, right now right now there is a war ensued on someone's mind someone's mind can't get past what happened last night and they're sitting in this service and the anointing of god is going forth to break your mind open and set it free someone is fighting in the supernatural whether you like it or not someone came in today bound by lust And couldn't open their eyes during worship without looking at the woman in front of them. Someone came in half drunk today. After being super drunk last night. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are demonic strongholds in wars that we fight. But they're not of flesh and blood. They're meant to derail the purpose of God from your life. His purpose, his plan, and whether you like it or not, there is one for every single one of us here. If you don't fulfill your purpose and plan, something gets left out. All of us together make this work. I need you and you need me. As much as you don't like me today, you will tomorrow when you fast or this week and you see the result of it, you're going to go, Nicole was right. They weren't lying to me. No, you're right. We aren't. We're telling you the truth. There is a spiritual war going on for your very soul. Every day, every single day, the victor- living a life of victory is not easy. It is not. I said this earlier. It is not for the faint of heart. But I'll tell you what it is for. It is for the soldiers of the almighty God. You and I as sons and daughters have become the soldiers of Christ. Let me tell you, there are battles that you and I will face in which you are wounded. You are hurt. It may appear that emotionally you are bloody. You are hurt. You are broken. But that's all right. That's all right because when you come into the church, you and I are made for this very day. God knew what we would go through, how we would be taken by the enemy, captive, our thoughts, our trials, our tribulations. But do you know that with God, you cannot lose if you will use the tools that he's given you? What do you think church is? Church is the place where you come in. You've been fighting all week. You've been fighting all week. You take your swords off, your helmets off. You lay them at the door and you're like, God, I'm just glad to be here it was a rough one my 17 year old he got caught up in lust he's been looking at pornography I don't know what else to do and then I got a 20 year old he just went way wall. I don't know what's happening with him and then I got a 50 50 year old that, that just won't come back to Jesus I got another kid that says they don't even know if Jesus exists what what I get it I get it but you come in you get filled with the word of the lord you get a praise and worship with your brothers and sisters you get to build faith you get to be encouraged one with another someone's going to slap a band-aid on your forehead from that little cut that little scar someone else is going to pray for your emotional healing some and guess what you get bandaged up pick up your helmet and your sword on your way out it doesn't stop out there the battle doesn't stop it continues until christ comes back for a church and I want to be a part of that church, amen? I want to be ready. But it's going to require that I do some things that are uncomfortable, some fasting and some prayer, that I can root out some sinful natures in my life, some lies that the enemy's told me. Go ahead, eat that piece of pie. You deserve it. I'm serious. Don't look at me like that either. Like Some of you are looking at me like, who does she thinks she is? I'm telling you, You have to resist the devil and he will flee. Why is it that eating became the only thing that people are allowed to do in the kingdom and not consider it sin? Why is it I can eat garbage all day long and never feel guilty for it? Yet if I cussed one word, I'd feel guilty. I'll tell you why. Because the devil's lied to me and told me eating too much is not a sin. You push your plate back and you go, oh might be gluttony might want to stop before you have to push it back I'm being real with you right now and don't look at me and say well you don't know what I'm talking about I do that's why I'm talking about it I do and you think that it's just I have a fast metabolism maybe one day that's gonna slow down maybe I'm not gonna wait around for it Isaiah 58 6 we're gonna start closing pastor talked on this one in one of his messages And I hate to regurgitate, but I think that it's important in a different light. Isaiah 58, 6 says, It is not the kind, is not this kind of fasting I have chosen. Keep in mind, this entire chapter is about fasting. And it tells in the beginning of the chapter all the things not to do. And then in this verse right here is the one I wanted to bring out because it talks about what you should do. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break off every yoke. All right, go ahead, media team, put me up a yoke. See this piece of wood? This is meant for oxen or animals and it's actually meant to create a pain-free (laughs) oh, sorry, discomfort-free hauling of a load of stuff. It's created to take the pressure off of the animal and put it onto the wood so that when they're moving, they can do more work, okay, and haul their load. It also is a depiction of servanthood, to some masters because whether we like it or not those oxen don't just get to go out and pick a field there is a master behind them telling them where to go and what to do and they are bound by this yoke with cords you can see the little thing in the center those come back and there's cords that are attached to that that go back to the plow and by a lock see that black thing in the middle that's how you break it you have to undo the cords Because if you only undid the lock, they'd still be attached by cords. You have to unlock both. Jesus knows this, or that this is why Isaiah writes this about him. The question is, is that you and I are yoked to something. We are yoked with someone. The question today is, what are you yoked by? And who is your master? because the Bible strictly tells us that we cannot serve two masters. You can't serve Jesus and be yoked to your spiritual friends on Sunday and then go live like a dog drinking in the bars, taking legalized marijuana, trying to see how many drugs you can take before you get high, drinking so many drinks before you feel the buzz. I'm just talking right up your alley. I'm just letting you know. No, no, because this this is the Christian. How close can I get to the world? Wait, let me make sure that's a steady step. Yeah, that, that's good. Okay, all right. Three drinks is my limit. One of these days you're going to step on that stone and you're going to think it's real secure and it's going to slip right down that slope. And I don't know how far you're going to go and I don't know how long you're going to stay and I don't know what you're going to pay in your life to be on that step. But I'll tell you what, there's no amount of drinks, there's no amount, amount of hookah, whatever you want to call it, no sake, no, no whatever they, what, you name them anything you want. No amount of gummies, I can go on and on and on. There ain't no amount of that that's going to get me on that step because I don't wanna slip and I don't wanna fall. I wanna be righteous, holy, sanctified, and taken in the church in the first load, amen? And I'm not playing around waiting on it. And if it means I gotta to fast to get a little bit of that hookah out of my system, if it means I gotta to fast to get a little bit of that lust under control, if it means I'm gonna to have to fast in order to get my mouth under control, then that's what I'm gonna do because I wanna be in the hands of the Lord. I want out of the hand of the enemy. And that's what fasting does. If you're yoked to alcohol, if you're yoked to something that changes your senses, you don't need to be yoked to any of that. You're yoked to the Holy Spirit. He is the supernatural sense. He's the only crazy sense you need. They think you're crazy when you're high. You wait till you get high with Jesus. They will think you're nuts. There's nothing better than being in a service. Where Jesus has taken over and there's a supernatural, spiritual high. And he's in the room and anything you ask, he's there to deliver. Nothing better. By the way, I've never been high. I just thought I'd let you know because I don't know that that's true. But I believe that's true. It's time that we get yoked to what God wants us to be yoked to. I think of covetness. I think of the things in our life where our flesh is in opposition to God's will. See, that's what fasting's for. It's real simple. This is it in a nutshell. When something is opposing you in your life, whether it's your flesh that you can't get to shut up and stand down take your place. Stop being lustful. Stop wanting more. Stop being envious. Stop wanting the the lady on the line at your workplace. You just can't keep your mind off of her during the day. I'm being real with you people. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean we all fight with sin. We all fight with lust and temptations in different ways. But it's not okay that you let it stay. Fasting is meant to take these oppositions out of your life. It opposes the plan and the purpose of God. Maybe it's the devil. He buffets you with sickness and disease. Guess what? Fast. You got a locked door in your life that you can't get past no matter how much you do, no matter how much you plan and prepare. You just can't get past this line. You need an open door? Fast. You got mental illness that keeps destroying your family, fast. You need wisdom in a situation, you need clarity, you need the voice of God, fast. You need delivered from generational curses. My grandfather was like this, my father's like this, and now it's knocking on my door, fast. You wanna know the purpose and plan for your life that God's called you to do because you don't know when you're 50 fast. It's a tool that he's given you and I to break free of the yoke. Unlock that thing that we've been yoked to. You may be yoked to insecurity your whole life. You've been told you were nothing and you're not worth it. Just like Pastor Rick said. You know what? Unlock that yoke. Throw away those cords with fasting. And be yoked to Jesus. Let him be your master. Let him be the master. Stand to your feet. I close with this scripture from Galatians. Whew. What a scripture. This is a good one. Galatians 5:1. It says, It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Jesus went to the cross to free you and I. We have freedom. We have freedom from sin already in our life. We repented. We turned from our sin. And we said, Jesus, come in and make yourself the Lord and Savior of my life. But then after you were saved for a while, this little sin kept creeping in.
2: A little bit here, a little
1: bit there. And now you're smart enough that you start seeing a cycle. You see this sin, it keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. It might look a little different. It might smell a little different. But it's the same sin. And it's a stronghold in your life. You're yoke to what God doesn't want you to be yoked to. This is where fasting comes in. This is where true fasting comes in and unties those ropes off of the devil's hands because the devil's ultimately got the ropes and he's leading you, Your yoke to the actual sin that keeps driving you back 15 steps. But you don't just take the ropes away, he unlocks it. He says, go, you're free. You're free, go. And what do you do? You go right back to the same yoke. No. No. I saw on a YouTube video there was this little lamb that was saved out of this trench and it was muddy and dark and, and they came and they got the lamb and sure enough the lamb runs around in a circle. He's so happy he got free and lays himself right back in the bitch. That's you and I sometimes. What we gotta do is we gotta keep running and we gotta keep running to the yoke of the Lord. The word. I gotta yoke myself up with who he is and let Jesus be my It's time we stop cohabitating with sin. Pastor said it best. Stop cohabitating with sin. The enemy's yoke is designed to appear comfortable. It's meant to appear that he's making it easier on you. Oh no, he ain't making it easy. He's gonna drive you hard, drive you long, and drive you straight to You might be here today wondering what did i just walk into this lady's crazy no no i'm in love with god's church and i'm in love with his people and i love you enough to tell you the truth that we've been dabbling in sin far too long when we have a tool that can release the enemy's hand and break us free if you're here today Ashley talked about this earlier, but I just feel that I'm supposed to give you a chance. The almighty God knew the end from the beginning. I believe he actually rewrote this day and knew that you would be here on this day and this time and this hour and that I would be preaching this message. That's really what I believe. That he would give you a choice to choose today, whether you would serve the enemy or you would serve Jesus. It's not that hard to serve the Lord. Because see, when you take on his yoke, God's yoke, with Jesus, it says my burden's easy and my burden's light because when we're at our weakest, he takes over and becomes strong. It's really not that hard. He's offering you the choice. Will you choose him? Will you stop doing things your way and just accept his way? Maybe you're here today and you're in our church and you're like, oh, Pastor Nicole sure is preaching a hard word. And you know there's things in your life that you keep being yoked back to. I don't care if you're a 17-year-old Christian and you say, Nicole, this is one part of my life I cannot get to. And every single time I try to get over it, I fail. This service is for you. This service is for you. It's time to let that go. And then God's gonna require something of you. He's gonna require a fast. I don't know what that looks like. That's between you and him. You have to figure that out. I can't tell you if it's three days, seven days, an itch in the head. I don't know what it looks like. But what I do know is that fasting declares you will have victory and you will be freed of the enemy's hand. So if that's either of you, If you want to know Jesus and want to choose him as your personal savior today, then I'm opening up the altar. We're going to pray with you. We're not going to make a display. We're not going to make you embarrassed. I'm not trying to do that, but I am trying to get you to make a choice today. And if you're a believer and there's something in your life, you don't have to tell me what that is. I'm just going to join my faith with you. And I'm going to say that God is going to set it in motion. And you're going to walk out the process of what fasting can do because it will change your life. Is there anyone? Is there anyone today that would say, Pastor Nicole, I want to accept Jesus. Or I've got this in my life and I gotta get rid of it. Today's the day I give it up. Anyone, anyone. been in a service that I do, I don't rush this period. I don't care what time it is. I can probably wait you out. Just letting you know. Is there anyone? Please don't let this moment go. All right. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. Father, we set our sights on a new week, a new plan, a new purpose for us this week. God, knowing that you will bring people into our paths. God, that you have designed appointments for each and every one of us. Father, that we would find people that need Jesus, that we would see what you see, that we would move like you move. And Father, be Jesus to the world. Father, I pray for the Asbury revival. I pray for those who are dealing with with the orchestration of that revival. God, I thank you for a sovereign move of your spirit in America today. But Father, I ask that those that are facilitating it, Father, give them wisdom. Give them strength, God. Just strengthen them in their bodies, God. Give them rest. God, that normally would take eight hours of sleep, give them hours and it's enough. God, continue your work. Continue your work. Father, help those that are, spe- that are, that are being um, speculators. Father, help us to see the move and the work of God in America today and be grateful that the Holy Spirit has shown up in a sovereign way to do what only he can do. Father, keep that revival pure and burning as long as you choose in the hearts of men and women. Father, let us play the role that you need us to be. God, I rebuke any men that would try to manufacture other revivals. I take authority over the enemy that would try to proselytize what God is doing in Asbury College. I rebuke you. I thank you, Lord, that if the fire is to be caught, it will be caught by the Holy Spirit and only given by the Holy Spirit. Father, keep it pure in spirit. Let no man's hand Come against what you've done there, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We will see you on Wednesday. Pastor Randy has a great word. He's going to be talking on discouragement. If you know,